Join us as we unpack emerging trends and changes in digital transformation with the executives, entrepreneurs, and investors responsible for shaping the future of their industries. In these interviews, you can expect to hear candid conversations about the future of technology and the role it plays at some of the largest organizations in the world. Our hosts are members of the Kunai team, an agency that has been building software products for over 20 years. Hello and welcome to the Kanai podcast, FinTech is Eating the World. If you're a regular listener, you will notice a format change for today's podcast. Um, today, we're going to mix it up by diving into one of the fastest growing payment capabilities, virtual credit cards. While virtual credit card is not a new concept, the use cases today are many and varied. And not only are we going to dive deep, we're going to do so with a terrific panel. Let's go around the horn and introduce this illustrious group. Tharun Basim, you are the CEO of Kanai and a former American Express employee. Welcome. How are you today? Uh, thank you. Doing great, Tom. Excited to be what is my first podcast, uh, considering you've had so many. So looking forward to speaking further on the topic. Absolutely. It's wonderful to have you. Look forward to the insights, your insights. And as the, the conversation progresses, um, understanding more about your vision. So uh, next, I'd like to welcome a new participant, an additional new participant to the podcast, Omid Ejragi. I'm super excited to have Omid join the pod as he is where the rubber meets the proverbial road, leading a number of our virtual card and neobank engagements. Hey, welcome, Omid. Hi, Tom. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, similar to Tarun, this is my first time being on this podcast, so kind of excited. Um, my name is Omid Ashraki. Uh, my background's in engineering, um, and now I've been in this product world for many years, and I've, uh, I have a big interest in this virtual credit card world, which topic of our call today. Awesome. Well, it's wonderful to have you. And uh, I know it won't be the, the last time that you participate in the podcast. So welcome. Um, and last, but certainly not least, Kyle Berry. Kyle is a digital transformation leader within Kanai. Kyle works in uh, the early stages with clients to build virtual card business cases and associated customer journeys. Kyle, welcome. Thanks so much. Glad to be back and uh, really excited about uh, this new platform or at least the, this new stage that we're setting with the ability to talk internally with our teams and, and bring a new perspective to uh, some emerging topics and, and things that we're hitting with every day. So. Yeah, I, I know that we have these conversations pretty much every day internally, <laughs> but it's really cool to begin to expose this, these conversations out to our customers. So let's get started. Let's get started with defining a virtual credit card and have some fun while doing so. So it's round robin time. Um, can you, can I have each of you define a virtual credit card in less than one minute. Tharun, time starts now. Yep. So a virtual card is not physical, kind of like Kyle Berry's background right now. If you can see it, uh, it's not real, but it is digitally native 
and it's what we're seeing as a workhorse for this initial entry into embedded finance. Um, its simplicity is powerful in that it abstracts away the actual card and allows for complete focus in the customer experience. And that's why at Kanavi we've been so excited about virtual cards um, because of its simplicity and because of its uh, workhorse ability to do so many things. We'll discuss those further. Awesome. Omid. If I want to explain virtual cards in less than a minute, you can think of the virtual card as a virtual card number that is attached to your actual physical card. And you can do all different kinds of transactions using that virtual card while keeping that physical card secure and safe, not exposed. Um, that's one of the biggest benefits. And I think we'll dig deeper into um, more of all the other benefits that the VCNs have. Fantastic. And Kyle? You know, Omid must have Googled the same uh, search word that I did because that's pretty much what I had, right? So virtual credit cards are, are unique credit numbers that allow you to transact your main card credit card without using or exposing those numbers, right? So it's a safety, it's a security ability. Um, and it enables the consumer to buy things without, uh, without worry of fraud. Awesome. So if I captured a few words, it was simple, secure, safe, reduced fraud, and ultimately enabling new use cases. Um, very cool. So as, as we begin to think about and extend um, that conversation into uh, use cases, um, let's talk about some of those use cases. Um, now, uh, Kyle, uh, let's, as we dive into use cases, let's give you two minutes to talk about what is new and exciting and, and why uh, these use cases are, are new and different. Sure. I mean, I think that's why we're all here on this pod to begin with, right, is uh, we see an opportunity. It's it's not the virtual card itself. As you mentioned earlier, It's this is not something new. A lot of companies are offering it or a lot of credit card companies, banks are offering it. What it enables is the new thing. And, and so we're seeing this move with embedded finance as well as just the opportunity of what a virtual card or a wallet enables a consumer uh, to do with a merchant or business. Um, and some of the use cases that we're seeing drive are um, different ways to engage with that consumer, um, whether it's expense management, perhaps it's uh, in digital lending or consumer lending. You know, you can get into a lot deeper and sticky loyalty rewards, uh, perks platforms and such. Uh, so we're just seeing the virtual card enable use cases that we've always had, but enable a stickier experience for the consumer and the business that's offering that virtual card. With virtual cards, I think the biggest thing here, again, is embedding or being able to enable new things. Uh, Tarun, what are you seeing right now? Yeah. So um, the interesting use cases, I'm going to go back in time a little bit. Uh, so when I first saw virtual cards, it was still in the B2B realm and online travel agents were the ones using it. So Expedia, you purchase your flight, let's say on Expedia, um, they then process that transaction and then they'll purchase the flight from Delta, United, whomever, and they'll use a virtual card for that transaction. And it creates just powerful reconciliation um, for their business. And so they these were all heavy B2B use cases. But now moving forward, I think to pile on to what you're saying, Kyle, um, there's new cool use cases in B2C. Um, buy now, pay later runs on virtual card platforms, digital wallets. Uh, they're everywhere. They're like in the background in almost any kind of digital transaction you're making on your phone, on your watch, what have you. 
And because of that, because of the underlying foundation for all these different use cases, you can they're extensible in the fact that you can port them over to different ways of trying to uh, enable payment or enable the transaction. And so I know that's pretty broad and pretty big, but those are the types of new things that we're starting to see and why they're, why they're so exciting. And I think Omid probably has a little bit more granular things given he's, you know, deep work with virtual cards. Yeah. I mean, look, I, you know, I don't think we, it's just amazing to me that it still is not as mainstream as we think it's going to be. We think it is. Yeah. Right. I mean, the growth potential of it because of all the things that you've just mentioned is exponential. Um, you know, I, prior to this pod, I was just looking up a few different numbers and such. And I mean, the amount of growth that we should be seeing with virtual cards is going to tower over physical cards in the next year. And it's funny, you know, COVID was awful for so many perspectives, but in terms of payment services, whether it's virtual, you know, utilizing um, uh, QR codes and such, it really did expedite and kind of accelerate the use of them, specifically in the US, because we really just haven't seen them here it's been more, you know, virtual cards is huge in Mexico and South America. Uh, QR codes are, are enormously important in Asia and APAC. So, you know, it is interesting to see that transfer, that transfer uh, into the U.S. Um, and that acceleration via, you know, such a huge pandemic like COVID. But uh, Amid, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you guys uh, covered it really well. Um, and it just, it pretty much enables users to securely make any digital transactions, similar to the physical credit card. But you can expand on this use case and take it into the travel segments, or you can have more personal use cases, such as uh, as a user, I want to have different virtual cards for different subscriptions I have, one for my Netflix, one for my Amazon Prime, and so on. It keeps my physical card more secure. Or I can have... Uh, different expense management strategies with different virtual cards. So I can have, for example, I'm a manager with 20 employees and I can assign a virtual card to each of those employees while holding the physical card myself. And then I can closely track what are their expenses. And actually, in another level, I can actually have an approval, so maker and checker kind of system in there. Do I approve this transaction for this employee to make? It saves a lot of time and hassle uh, from filing expenses and getting the company pay you back. You just have your own virtual card and the manager controls it. And there's a lot more use cases, but main focus, in my opinion, for the use case is this, keeping that real card secure. And that after that, the world is just, you can do anything you want with it. You know, let's touch on that, that parent-child kind of uh, card association, right? So like you said, if you're a, a business owner or you're utilizing virtual cards, the enablement of being able to build an expense application or just anything around expenses, like I, there are so many businesses out there that cannot keep track or have trouble reconciling what is business expense, where was it spent, how much money was spent, and then really trying to keep guardrails around it, right? So Virtual cards specifically, you know, partners of ours like Marquetta's or others, they enable actually all these different things where you can put guardrails around where your employees spend money. It could be amount, it could be the time in which they spend it, it could be where they spend it, how they spend it. So it really is bringing a strong reconciliation ability to the CFOs of the world in their in. Again, you know, Tarun, this is your background, but, you know, it, it comes into, into a big deal when you can sit there and go, hey, Kyle, you know, you can only use your card for this expense, not other things, you know, making sure I'm not just out there on Amazon spending money away, right? Yep, yep. And I know we had discussed internally, right? Like we were talking about BNPL strategy for 
banks and how they get ahead of it because a firm, Klarna and Afterpay have such a huge leap, but they can use virtual cards to actually enable very similar transactions. Perhaps after somebody's already transacted, they send a text and use a virtual card to uh, enable at checkout what would have been a credit card purchase now can be a digital loan made through virtual card and kind of intercept where BNPL has been so successful, but you get to do it at the Amex or at Capital Ones of the world. And I think these are these are things that big banks should be thinking about in addition to other institutions from trucking and having more controls over how people spend, right? Uh, so as we think about trucking and logistics, uh, the companies that we've worked for have been looking at enabling virtual card platforms to make sure that truckers can spend on uh, perhaps gas, some grocery, um, and manage a very tight process. And their CFO, I'm sure, is very happy. You touched well, on a me- really good point, um, like the trucker application. That's 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 another good use case of the virtual cards. Is the manager of whoever's uh, issuing these cards can say, okay, I want, like Kyle said, guardrail. I want only this user to spend $200 on this card. And I only want them to be able to spend on XYZ. So these are very specific and good benefits of the VCN versus the trucker or whoever the user is has to go out and spend on their own money and come back, file expenses and get paid back. Too much hassle. You just have your own VCN card. You go and the VCN card, it knows you can only spend on XYZ. And this is the limit that you have. So that to me, like it, it, there's two pieces to that argument or that 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 kind of train of thought, right? So the first one, and, and Turin, you touched on this with the larger, you know, your banks, your Amexes, your everything, you know, your larger financial institutions, they can actually drive down specifically into how the customer is spending, where are they spending, and then attribute nudges is what we've been working on quite a bit with around, okay, how can I better to help this consumer or our customer to purchase things that they need, right? Whether it's buy now, pay later, or, you know, reminders of perhaps it's, you know, hey, pay off your credit card now or your virtual, however you may do that. Um, and then, Omid, you're talking about more in the specific business sense of, okay, I'm a manager and I need to make sure that people are spending things in certain ways. Again, kind of that building control um, and, identity, and identifying how we can best serve the consumer. I always wonder if that is, that's not necessarily something new to virtual cards. I mean, you can still do that from a physical card, right? So if someone spends on their physical card, Chase could still send you an alert, can still send you certain things like that. What is it that the virtual card is bringing though that's a different a different piece of that? Yeah, for, for me, it's it's not only the the ability to have a card, it's the ability to integrate that card into an existing experience, into somebody's um, uh, engagement model and engagement pattern and to add to it. So if, if I'm a gig worker and I have uh, a, a need and consider a trucker may, may in fact be a, a gig worker. I've got an individual gig. I've got to go deliver. How am I going to engage with the company that I am serving? How am I going to get paid? Um, uh, whether it's an expense or whether it's, it's my actual cash payment for the, the delivery of the good, how am I then going to transfer that um, to my bank? It's that ability to be seamless in the overall requirement 
And I just don't want to lose sight of uh, the other side of the use cases as just a regular customer. I just want to generate a virtual card from this existing card I have. And I can go to a platform, generate a VCN, and then use that for all the subscriptions that I have. It's not connected to any company or anything. It's the benefit of an individual person that I don't want to have my physical card exposed. And it gives me full visibility of which card is on which of these platforms, for example, like in Netflix, Amazon Prime. And whenever I want, I can just turn off that card and that subscription will end and I don't need to pay for it. And my real so, card is always protected. Is always with you. So, so I mean, you're touching again, security and specific um, expense management, right? For whether it's a business or individual. Tom, you kind of touched on more of, okay, how is that customer experience driving for the individual as well as the business? And I think that's kind of where we've seen a major leap as of recently is that experience, right? And building something that's inclusive as well as seamless for the consumer. Because I think right now, what we're challenged with in this space is there are a lot of segregated experiences, right? So I think about my credit card right now. And when I access it, I can see all my expenses, but I have to click out to go into my rewards program. It takes me into another window. Or, you know, Cobran has these issues these days where it is a single kind of product that is super is the ability to stand it up is very quick, but it's not integrated into the existing experience that the customers or consumers are in. So tell me a little bit, talk a little bit more about that. Can you touch on that? So if, if I, I heard you, it's, it's talk a little bit more about that uh, overall journey and how you can seamlessly adapt um, a virtual credit card into that experience. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, the virtual card is really an enabler of the new customer experience, right? It's it's about creating loyal ease of use first, loyalty to the brand or the, the business that's offering it. And then two, just enablement of so many things that are all integrated into one. And yeah. That is where I see the future of virtual cards and what it's going to bring, not just to the banks, the financial institutions, the MasterCard visas of the world. I'm talking regular day-to-day small businesses, medium-sized businesses, or big enterprises offering these services to their customers. Absolutely. So uh, if if I look at it today, just think about any general checkout experience. Um, uh, they're, they're pretty straightforward. I fill my cart, I then uh, check out, and I have the ability to pay. Um, as you go forward, as we go forward, we can think beyond the simple retail example to, um, again, that trucker example or different uh, engagement models where a financial transaction needs to occur and and not doing it as a separate siloed experience, but as an integrated, intimate experience. Um, if I'm at a doctor's office and I am in my doctor, in my app that for my provider, should I be able to, in a touchless way, do my $20 copay? Or do I have to, uh, how is my HSA card engaged in that? Um, 
today, everything is disconnected and siloed in my provider. And the opportunities are there to have a much more seamless frictionless, rich experience. To reiterate here, it's really for virtual cards, it's bringing all into one, right? So whether you want to access a prepay, a credit card, a debit card, cash, whatever it may be, the virtual card is your kind of enabler of being able to access that money at which point in real time, which is so important these days because no one's got the patience for anything else anymore. Um, And so to me, if I'm, you know, what I just think about my own personal life and, you know, FSA cards are great and putting away money on it from a pre-tax standpoint is wonderful. But what if I have a nanny service and I need to pay her? I, I can't, she doesn't take FSA, she won't take my FSA card. She won't, doesn't take credit card payments or card payments. How do I take that money and utilize it in a better fashion or at least utilize it in a way that she can accept it? So is that, you know, an application in which a virtual card sits on, but it enables me to access this cash and transfer it in P2P. Perhaps it's being able to push it to her bank account um, seamlessly and effectively in a real time. You know, to me, those are those real world experiences that as a regular person, I want to be able to do because right now it's very tough to access those funds unless there is a point of sale device that I can swipe the card. Trin, thoughts? Yeah, I think you went down into, you know, payments in general. And uh, if we look at payments across credit card, ACH, you start seeing real-time payments come aboard. Um, The abstraction of these things into virtual interfaces, I think is going to be huge to this point, right? For P2P and so on and so forth. So um, I'm going to make the bad analogy, but like the virtual virtual card is blockchain, right? It's like sitting in the background, any product can sit on top of it. Virtual cards right now sit on top of normal credit card rails, um, but they are, I think, this first step to kind of being behind the scenes once again and enabling all these novel use cases because they sit in the background um, and they're gonna enable, I think from our discussion, many things for the future. Well, and again, I'll I'll focus in again on growth, right? So whether it's the Mercators of the world, the Accentures, the Deloitte's, they're all projecting, I mean, exponential growth of virtual card use over the next few years. I, again, I go back to, I think COVID and this pandemic was an accelerator for that. But when you look at the graphs, when you looked at the at the um, the white papers they put together, virtual card, the growth pace is going to outgrow physical card and and overall just teeny expenses as such, it's 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 astronomically outgrowing. So, you know, and that's just gonna be over the next three years, which is not that much of a horizon when you really think about how fast things move or the time ahead of us. So uh, to me, it's something that people need to adopt much faster, much quicker, uh, and be ready to use because it's it's not slowing down. And ready to use because of uh, the enhanced security and fraud, but then couple that with the ability to create a more seamless and intimate user experience is... Um, is, is just game changing. So um, as we consider a virtual card program for any industry, uh, where do you start, um, Kyle? Um, I think the, the first piece is, you know, why, why do you want to stand up a virtual card? What is the, the reason that you're getting at? Or what is it that your customers are struggling with, right? It's identifying that initial step of, okay, 
here's what we want to enable our customers to do. And that may be to access cash on a debit card in real time. It could be, I want to help them on, uh, you know, they've had a, a traumatic life event. I want to help them build credit via a, a secured credit card or unsecured. Um, it could be, I, I want to start a new program in which we offer our own credit services and we issue our loyalty. We bring together our loyalty and branding together with a single product that's funneled by a credit card. So to me, the initial piece is understanding what is that first hurdle or that first product in which we want to give our customers? What's spawning this idea? And from there, it's you know, limitless. You put in the you put in the space, and this. I mean, you can chat to this specifically, but once you have that framework of that initial idea, then you can start building in. Okay, well, here's the one, two, three, four, fives that we need to offer this and to offer a virtual card, and then here's all everything that can come behind it. Yeah. So, uh, I, Kyle, I felt you were channeling uh, a little bit of Simon Sinek there. Um, start with the why. And and then move to the how and the one, two, three, four, five. Um, so uh, any other thoughts out there, Omid? Yeah, um, where would I start? I would start by contacting Kunai, I think, and then we got the rest. But no, jokes aside, I think the main place to start is thinking who's your user? Who is the actual user that's going to use this? And then take a step back, do you want that user to have a standalone approach or do you want to use your existing users within your platform application, have this extra integrated VCN segment? So I think that's the second approach. And then Kyle explained it very well. After that, you need to look into uh, kind of figuring out what are the actual use cases of these users and start putting all the customer journey maps and all the user flows together. And then after that wireframe design and but the I mean, main, when you're uh, when you're so thinking I, about that, I mean, it, sorry, Tom. When you're thinking about that, I mean, do you feel that there's a difference in the way if say say the company's coming to us and asking, okay, I want to build something for our consumers, like individual people, or I want to actually do something B two B? Do you think it makes a difference? Does it change the way in which you operate? That's a good question. It it really the backbone of the whole VCN wouldn't change, but of course the UX of it would change. If it's for a bigger company versus just individual users, for example, I just want a card to subscribe versus I'm a manager and I want to issue 20 cards. Of course, the whole user experience is going to change. How does this manager issue these cards or how does this one individual user very seamlessly generate a VCN and use it? But the backbone of how the VCN is created, you can set limits, expiration date, that that flat foundation, I think it's goes over with all the other um, use cases. Excellent. So uh, I heard um, start with the why and then center yourself around the customer, understand who your customer is, understand their journey. If it's a B2B scenario, you're probably going to be a little bit more automated and maybe API to API driven, where if you're business to consumer facing, then you are uh, going to concern yourself with digital and with um, mobile web uh, experience. Um, uh, fantastic. Uh, Tharun, 
Um, any final thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll jump into the how because we haven't covered that off yet. And fintech is changing rapidly. There are many new entrants to the space. Within virtual card platforms, uh, there's quite a few up at the moment. They offer different things um, with different pricing points and different capabilities. Um, and I think as people think about the how, right? Now I got to plug into some kind of platform or do I go build it myself? Um, and who do I partner with? And this is the big thing because what we're going to see is the customer experience and getting your customers engaged is always, um, in our view, number one. Because if you don't have people that want to use the platform, or I'm sorry, that want to use your product, it doesn't matter what platform is behind the scenes. But as you start thinking about the product, it's uh, the platform behind the scenes that are issuing virtual cards. That's somebody that you want to be able to plug in, to plug out, depending on how your needs change, depending on what happens. So for big banks, if they don't have a virtual card platform already set up, maybe they plug into somebody in the fintech realm and then build it behind the scenes as they start to scale. And so making sure that these things are extensible, they're flexible is hugely important um, because there's so much change coming in fintech. You don't want to lock yourself in. Um, that's something we've seen with quite a few clients of ours as well. Awesome. Well, let's end the conversation on, on that. I think today we have identified just the, the simplicity, the security, the um, fraud reducing capabilities of a virtual credit card, and most importantly, the ability to enable new and valuable use cases um, in the past, co-branded standalone card programs have been highly successful and relevant. Um, and that use case is really just the tip of the iceberg. Um, uh, seamlessly integrating virtual card capabilities within existing customer journeys, provide opportunities around B2B scenarios, expense management, gig worker, healthcare provider, payer scenarios. We touched upon many of them and there are so many more. Um, trucker. Uh, so ultimately, virtual credit cards are delivering this seamless, frictionless, security-enhancing benefit to cardholders and revenue-enhancing opportunities to businesses. Thank you, Tharun, Omid, and Kyle. Um, today's conversation has been really fun. Um, I look forward to doing it again and have a terrific rest of your day. Thank you all. Thanks, Sim. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one.